though it is amusing. And I believe that media has, um, is greatly used in our culture, um, to exempl- which exemplifies parents as complete idiots most of the time. I, you think over, and once again, I'll probably make some enemies during the service this morning, and I'm okay with that just a little bit. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that so much of what we let our kids watch makes parents look like idiots. And that parents are just buffooming idiots that don't know what they're doing as far as some of the Disney channels and the Nick at, Nick, Nick at in the Morning channels that, that just make parents look like they don't know what they're doing. And the parents are wrong. And the parents don't have a clue. Um, you say, this is something new. No, it's not something new. I, I, I've said it for years. Go back to the Waltons where everybody looked at John Boy, who was the son, as the complete all-knowing wise one, rather than the father. It, it looks, and you say, are you bashing the Waltons? No, I'm just saying. In our culture, we have elevated what kids think and what parents know to be true and right based on their experience is irrelevant. And we need to be careful with that, that we look back to God's Word and what God's Word instructs us to do as far as the discipline and, and the rearing of our children. I have learned a few things over the years, though. Number one... Everybody does some things different in their approach to discipline. Some of it good, some of it bad. We've all lived long enough to realize that uh, we all do it differently. And that's okay. Uh, But there are some absolutes that we must adhere to according to God's Word. Number two, every child is different. God made them that way. Um, As a result, every child may respond differently to various types of correction. Uh, I know in our family, they're all different. one that we could take a take a spank, uh, take and spank, and the next one is like you just look at them wrong, they're bawling, and their their spirit was broken, and and uh, they're you know wanting to learn from what they did that were wrong that was wrong. And number three, it's not my job to be critical of how parents discipline their children. However, it is my job to teach the whole counsel of God, which includes some pertinent principles relating to how we discipline our children. You say, man, you're really going to step in some meddling areas this morning. I probably will. Um, this is not a subject that I used to speak on a lot in my early years of ministry. Uh, we're still learning some things, and we're still um, refining some of what God has asked us to do in the, in the correction of our children. At this stage, I'm thankful for what God has done in the life of our kids. And uh, we'll talk about more of that in a, little bit, a little bit later in the message. But we have a great responsibility before God to train our children uh, correctly. And I hope you know that. And we've said many times over the years that God has allowed us to be a steward of our children. They're not ours. I hope you understand that. They're not yours. They are God's children. And how we take care of them, how we manage what God has given to us is very important. And so we need to know what God's Word says about that so that we can do it correctly. In Psalm 127 in verse 3, It says, sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, children a reward. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, children a reward. And I hope we understand what that means, the word heritage, a gift to be remembered, a life to be passed down from one generation to another, if you will. Um, Years ago, Steve Green came out with a song entitled, Find Us Faithful. It's the idea of all those who come behind me find me faithful from my actions, from my life that I live, that I would live in such a way that God will be glorified through my actions and activities. 
and instill those biblical principles of how we're to live this life into our children. And as they learn it, they will instill it into their children, that they would instill it into their children, and be therefore become a heritage of godliness and faithfulness. But a reward is an awesome word too. A a reward. In other words, it's not an accident. They're not a curse. They're not a burden. They're not an inconvenience. They're a reward. And that's awesome to consider. That God would reward us with children. That's awesome. I know in our family it was especially awesome because my wife was told during her high school years she would not be able to have children. So we didn't think anything about it. uh, Until, you know few months into our marriage and she's not feeling good going to the doctor wait wait a minute that's not possible yes it is because God had other plans three other plans um, I'm so thankful for that what a blessing to grow up thinking one thing and then for something else to happen that's awesome and God is so gracious in that area but those of you who have had the privilege of rearing children truly know that children are a reward from God And if we would be so privileged as to make our children a heritage, there are some biblical principles to which we must adhere. In other words, if we're going to instill within the hearts and the minds of our children a desire to serve God, to live for God, to walk in obedience, it's not going to happen by accident. There are some things that you must do as a parent. Um, It's amazing to me how many times over the years, and you've seen it too, where we're walking down the, wall, the hallway or out down the aisle at Walmart or at the grocery store at Wegmans, and some kid is just kicking and screaming and pitching a fit and being as loud as he can. That's the absence of teaching. Plain and simple. If that's your child, I'm sorry, it's a lack of teaching and training. And there are ways around that. And we're going to see that in just a moment. Let me just say in advance, some of you may disagree with me, and that's okay. You have that right. Um, But I hope that you won't disagree with what God's Word says, because it's very clear. So, I want to begin with a very, very familiar passage of Scripture this morning. The passage is Romans 3.23. say, well, what in the world does that have to do with parenting? I mean, we've known that verse forever and a year. What in the world does Romans 3.23 have to do with parenting? Well, it gives us an understanding of why we must parent correctly. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Very clearly, we are born into this world as sinners. Every one of us, you, me, our children, and despite how you may think they're perfect, they're not. They're born sinners as well. We know that. It's clear. God's Word is clear. So we're all born sinners, and uh, as a result, our children... Uh, as is true with us, will not naturally obey and do what is right. Proverbs 22, verse 15 reminds us that foolishness is tangled up in the heart of a child. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So no one has to teach little Susie how to be selfish with the dolls that you have given to her. That comes naturally. Uh, Nobody has to teach little Johnny to punch little Joey when he takes his Hot Wheel cars from him. That comes naturally because what is mine is mine and they're not yours unless I decide that you can have them. And therefore, if you touch it, I'm going to hit you. That's natural because foolishness is bound in the heart of a child because they are born sinners just like you and I. So naturally, it does not happen for a child, for a little daughter, for a little son 
to naturally obey and do what is right. Just for a moment, let's be reminded of Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and because of that, everyone who is ever born is born into this world as sinners. But Proverbs 22, verse 15 also teaches us the means of correction. Foolishness is tangled up or bound in the heart of our youth, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. The rod of correction? I'm just going to say, you probably won't find that encouragement from anybody that's in secular parenting classes. It's unbiblical not to, let me say. The rod of correction is not a justification for physical abuse. Let me be very clear on that. The rod of correction is not justification for physical abuse. And number two, the rod of correction is to correct wrong behavior. So as a side note, and this is just my opinion, when is it right for corporal punishment? When is it right to spank a child? Um, Let me give you a very general guideline for that. And this is where I say it's my opinion. We often use spanking for direct disobedience as opposed to immaturity. It's one thing for a child to be immature. It's another thing for them to be defiant. Um, For example, Johnny, clean your room. And two hours later you come by, Johnny, why didn't you clean your room? If Johnny looks at you and says, well, I didn't feel like it, I didn't want to. That's an attitude of defiance. That's an attitude of rebellion. And in my opinion, that's an attitude that deserves a spanking because it's direct disobedience. On the other hand, if Johnny says, well, I did, I did clean my room, and after you look around, you say, well, he might have touched it, but he did not do it to my satisfaction. At that moment, you see that that's immaturity. There was an effort made, but he didn't do it completely. And what does that require? More training, more teaching, so that next time they can be fully obedient. There's a difference between disciplining for direct disobedience versus immaturity. Direct disobedience is an affront. That's rebelliousness. And God's Word defies, that uh, explains to us that we must work with those who are rebellious to bring about change. So, getting back to the rod of correction, notice what God's Word says regarding the rod of correction. If you want to underline these verses, I encourage you to do so. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. It says, The one who will not use the rod hates his son. Those are pretty harsh words. But the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. Notice God's word associates the rod with correction uh, with, with discipline. So, well, I don't spank my child. Then you must not love your child. How can you say that, Pastor? Because that's what God's word says. It's not my word. It's God's word. You say, well, does everything my child do that's wrong require spanking? No, it doesn't. Because as we said, every child is different and every child responds differently to correction. But God's Word is clear. The one who will not use the rod hates his child. It was a kind of humorous thing when we uh, all got together at my dad's funeral. Uh, we jokingly grew up with a big paddle. Um, my dad was old school. He had a paddle about this long, it was about that wide, about this thick, and holes drilled into it. Oh yeah, some of you remember those types of paddles. 
I remember the day my dad got that. My grandfather was a woodsman, a woodworker. I mean, he built everything out of wood. But I remember one particular summer, I was about five years old, my grandfather came up on a trip from Arkansas to Minnesota, and he brought my dad a paddle. We all ran. We didn't want to try it out. But I remember it like it was yesterday. Years and years and years later, when my dad passed away, you know what the one thing was that all four of us kids were hunting down in the house? The paddle that dad had. And we found it behind the refrigerator on the floor. Some of them hit it. Someone in our family hit it. I don't know who. You're right. So, what we did was that we all went out to the garage. Dad had a sheet of plywood. And we took that thing and we traced out four of them. And we all made one that day after my dad's funeral. It was more of a funny, humorous, momentous occasion than anything else. But that's the paddle that we use in our home for many years. Here's the thing. Dad was never abusive. Never once. Dad never hit too hard to make us hurt in any way, shape, or form as far as uh, any type of abusive action. I remember in my junior high years, I remember saying, my, my, my gluteus maximus hurt us enormous. Um, the hind end hurt, and it didn't hurt me in the long run. God's word is true. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod, the spanking, drives it far from him. Proverbs, in fact, let me back up here, Proverbs 13:24. If the one who will not use the rod hates his son, then we can also say, according to that verse, that discipline proves our love. It proves that we love our children because we want something more out of them than disobedience and unrighteousness. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 and 14 says, Don't withhold discipline from a youth. If you beat him with a rod, he'll not die. Strike him with a rod and you will rescue his life from Sheol. What's he saying here? Properly disciplined, a spanking works. That's God's Word. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15, A rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a youth left himself is a disgrace to his mother. Imparts wisdom? Right. Because once you get a spanking for doing what's wrong, and you associate doing wrong with that spanking, guess what? I'm going to get a little bit wiser next time and not do it. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. Discipline your son while there is hope. Don't be intent on killing him. The bottom line is, he says, there is a time that is appropriate to discipline your child with a spanking. I know that there are a lot of parents who say, well, I just don't agree with that. I just don't agree with that. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it. But it is God's Word. And it's very true. And God's Word says it proves our love by taking the time. You know, in our family, there are many times you can ask our children, they may or may not remember all of this, but there are many times that my kids go to spanking, just like I did, probably like many of you did. But what you do after the spanking is equally important. There are many times, I can remember Jake and David and Andrea, after we got done giving a spanking, what did we do? We prayed. Lord, 
Forgive me for what I did that was wrong. Forgive me for my parents for making us have to go through this and asking God to help us not to do it again. Doing it in God's ability. It was never abusive. It was never out of anger. It was always a corrective opportunity to be who God wanted us to be as far as parents. God's Word gives us an understanding of the principle of discipline in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you would turn your Bibles to Hebrews 12. I want to read verses 5 through 11. Actually, verse 3. It says, For for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as a discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? What's the expectation? What's the uh, presupposition here is that spanking was part of it. Discipline was part of it. But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit, so that we can share his holiness. What's he saying here? The discipline brings holiness into our life. It helps us refine the way we think, the way we act, so that it can be in accordance with God. Verse 11, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of, the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I've never had either, any one of my three kids after a spanking say, Dad, that was so much fun, let's do it again. <laughs> well, that'd be crazy, right? It should be painful. Um, you see these little paddles that say grandma's paddle and they're like padded? No. Spanking should hurt. There should be a pain associated with it. If you're not going to, there's no sense in doing it. Because it's the action that produces a thought that I need to change. And I don't like this. It's not pleasant. It's not good. So he says very clearly, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time. But later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that that which is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. It brings about a righteousness. And therefore, God says it is good. The Lord disciplines those who He loves. So the example is, if is, if our children are doing wrong, we prove our love by exercising discipline. And the discipline gives credence to the fact that we are His. Who He loves, He chastens. He doesn't discipline those that are not His. He disciplines those that are His. We discipline our children because God has entrusted them to us to do just that. So what has God asked us to do concerning our children? How can we teach our children in such a way that that they will live as a heritage and reward in future generations? Well, turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6 just for a moment. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me say as you're turning there very quickly. If we do what God has asked us to do from the beginning, it is so much easier in the end. Let me say it. Let me, let me give an explanation. We were careful to discipline our kids while they were young. Why? Because the younger that we can teach them the principles, the less we have to do it later. We didn't have to spank our kids in their teenage years. We don't. Didn't need to. I wouldn't try at this point. Jake's a little bit bigger than me at this stage. I didn't say he's stronger. He's getting there. But you know, I didn't have to. Because we were consistent with it as much as we could be as they're younger. And one of the greatest disservices we can do to our children is be inconsistent with our discipline. You know, it's one thing for mom and dad to yell one day for, for doing a certain thing, and the next day they're too tired, so they just let it go. That's a mixed message. Because sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not. The inconsistency is what breaks down the process. Deuteronomy chapter 6. So how can we, if God's word says that our children are a heritage, a reward, how can we instill with them the principles so that they will live out as God would have them to live it out. Verse 1 says, This is the command, the statutes and ordinance the Lord your God has instructed me to teach you, so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all His statutes and commands. I am giving you your son, your grandson, and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them, so that you may prosper and multiply greatly, because Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be as a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's he talking about? The scripture of God's word, all that God had done, all that God had taught them. It was not just to be, oh, well, that's a story of yesteryear. We are going to instill them within our family so that our kids will know about them, their kids will know about them, and their kids will know about them. Going on here, verse 10, says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land He swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that He would give you, a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, and houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, wells that dug that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, and not to forget the Lord, I'm sorry, and when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, and so forth. goes down verse 17, Carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God, the decrees and statutes He has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that you may prosper, so that you may enter the possess the good land that your Lord God has swore to give to your fathers. And here's a key, verse 20. And when your son asks you of the future, what is the meaning of these decrees, the statutes and ordinances, which the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves. And a Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of the land, or out of Egypt, with a, with a strong hand. 
Before our eyes, the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders in Egypt, on Pharaoh, and in all the household. Over and over, he said, what, what, what does all this mean? And you sit down and you tell your children everything that God had did. Can you imagine, just for a moment, just, just hear me out here, just for a moment. Can you imagine being one of the children of Israel who had observed the miracles that God did that, during that chapter of their lives? And can you imagine seeing the water turn to blood? Can you imagine seeing the frogs? Can you imagine seeing the locusts and the gnats and the boils and, and knowing the stories of the, dead, the firstborn dying? And, and can you imagine just for a moment being there, being present, having observed all these things take place all around you? And all of a sudden the days and months begin to pass and your family is starting to grow older and your kids, Dad, tell me about this story. Tell me what happened. What was it like? And dad begins to sit down with the second and third generation. Grandpa was there. And grandpa told me this. And grandpa told me that. And, and, and now I, I know these stories and now I'm teaching them to my kids. That's the process of learning what God has for us to learn. Embracing them in our own lives. And then teaching them to our kids to the best of our ability. And then that they can take it and teach it to their kids to the best of their ability. And guess what? We don't have to remember it all. It's right here. We have it. And if we can do that, our children become a heritage and a blessing to the second, third, fourth generation. How are we to do this? We're to teach our children. And part of our teaching, part of our correct, the correction, part of the discipline is once in a while correcting their wrong behavior along with teaching them what is right and who God is. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, not to do it in anger. There are people who discipline in anger. There are people who spank in anger. And there are people who do it wrongly. And that's not biblical. It's not right. Do not stir up anger in the hearts of your children, but train them in the instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will become discouraged. We're not to do it in such a way that just... You know, that's, that's the... I'm going to discipline on anger. I'm going to whip my belt off. I'm going to paddle, paddle the hind end and I'm going to walk out because I'm ticked. And because of it, they want nothing to do with you. That's wrong. There's a way to do it right. But here's the deal. What is, what is the blessing of following God's instruction concerning discipline? Proverbs 29:17. Discipline your son, and it will bring you peace of mind and give you delight. Let me ask you a question. You be the judge. You're walking down the aisle in Wegmans, and two rows over, you've got a kid screaming at the top of his lungs. Peace or delight? Yes or no? No. You're walking around at the fair or the carnival and you see some kid yelling at his mom, screaming at him because she won't give him another $10. Peace and delight? No. Something's missing. Instruction, training, correction, discipline. Discipline your children and it will bring you peace of mind and give you delight. What parent does not want peace of mind and delight? 
God gives a prescription for it. Discipline your children. Well, in closing, let me just give you four hindrances to good discipline. Four hindrances. Number one, a lack of love. Love is a key. I remember when I was a... I remember hearing as a teenager just different messages that pastors would preach growing up in church. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. No, it doesn't. Trust me. My hand didn't hurt. It did not hurt my dad worse than it hurt me. Trust me on that one. But I remember very clearly, each of our kids were different. And I remember thinking when I had to spank David once, the kid's got no meat on his bones anywhere. I mean, you go, at the time, and that was the same thing as whacking. It's like, man, I just like, man, I, I felt bad. I felt bad about it. But here's the deal. You do it because it teaches. And you do it consistently and faithfully when they're little. You don't have to do it later in life. And I remember very clearly thinking, for the first time, I really don't want to do this, but I know I need to. And after we get done, we pray and ask God to forgive us and ask God to help us not to do it again because we don't want another one of these. (laughs) But it hurts. You do it in love. You don't do it in anger. Number two, another hindrance to good discipline is a lack of communication. I'm probably guilty of this one more than anything else. I was always good when our kids were younger to see the reaction, not the action. You been there? I didn't see what instigated this, op- this this situation, but I saw how he responded. And so I'm going to go. <laughs> ask questions. I learned that one late in life. You don't have to agree with everything. I mean, seriously, you can just sit there. It's okay. But you know, it's true. Lack of communication doesn't do us any justice when it comes to discipline. Ask questions. Ask God for discernment to know what's right and what's wrong. I can remember we were talking about this with uh, a couple of young ladies in our church the other day at our house. And uh, David was our, what we thought was, our habitual liar at first. And I'll qualify that. David was our guy with imagination. And David was the guy that he would go to bed at night and he would dream big dreams. He was... Superman. I mean, he was riding horses, and he was this, and he was that. And so he would tell the stories of how, what he did that day. No, you didn't do it. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. And he, we, you know, at first we thought he was lying. He wasn't lying. He was dreaming and telling us about his dreams. He was just too little. We didn't get it. So when David says, yeah, I went horseback riding, I'm like, no, you did not. Yeah, Dad, I did. No, you didn't. Quit lying. Well, in his dreams, he did. Sometimes you need discernment to know the truth and to understand what is taking place. There are times that our kids do things and we need discernment to know why they're doing them. Do we discipline out of the fact that they did something wrong or do we discipline out of the fact that they directly disobeyed us? We need discernment. We need wisdom to know the difference. And sometimes it can only come through communication. Number three, A hindrance to good discipline is a lack of training. It's our responsibility as parents to give our kids guidelines. 
And let me just say, I said there are some things about the video I totally disagree with. I don't think we need to give explanation for every little thing we tell our kids yes or no about. At two years old, I'm not going to give a dissertation to my two-year-old or three-year-old or four-year-old about why they have to obey me. I'm sorry. There's one thing that secular Dr. Phil says that I agree with. If someone's going to win, it's not going to be the kid. God gave us the responsibility, the stewardship of rearing our children. And just because they don't like it or just because they don't feel like it's good for them, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter to me. Because I'm basing what I do off Scripture, not off feeling. And if I base ever all my parenting off feeling, there's a lot of things I wouldn't do. A lot of things I would do. There was a lady in our church when I was a youth pastor who said, I'd rather my kids hate me for the moment and love me for a lifetime than to love me at my, at, for a moment and hate me for a lifetime. At the moment, they may not like you. But I'd rather them know what's right and love me for a lifetime later. They don't understand everything, and quite honestly, they don't need to understand everything. Are you going to give a dissertation to a three-year-old who's running out towards the street and cars are coming? No. You expect obedience because it's right to do. Are you going to give a dissertation to a child as to why she shouldn't touch a burner? No. You teach them, don't do it. They'll figure it out, trust me. But I'm not going to reason with them. There's a time to reason and there's a time not to reason. But when they're little, you teach discipline. doesn't matter why. And as they grow older, you begin to understand Scripture. And then number four, a lack of consistency. As I said earlier, there are times that we tell our children no, but the next time it's okay. What is that message? Confusion. Or one time you get a spanking for this, but the next time you just get a tongue lashing. What's the, what's the confusion? And it really says something about our laziness as parents. Anybody ever been tired at the long, long end of a day and your kids are doing something? You know you should get up, but it's easier just to yell at them from the other room. Right? Yeah. Inconsistency is a huge hindrance to correction. Let's show love. Let's communicate. Let's train. Let's be consistent. I believe very clearly that God's Word is truthful and that if we follow the principles, God's going to take care of the outcome. God's going to take care of it. And can I just say in closing, some of you may say, well, I will not spank my child. You have that freedom. You have that freedom. It's your prerogative. You'll stand before God for how you handle that. That's okay. You don't stand before me. You don't stand before anybody in this church. It's your choice. And you can understand that with that choice comes consequences. But I can tell you this. God's word is true. God's word is right. And God's word will not return void. And if you follow the principles, God will be honored with that. If you choose not to, there are consequences there as well. Every child is different. Every child responds differently. But what we are to do is bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they will be a heritage, so that they will be a blessing, so that they'll bring, our, bring us as parents delight and joy and peace. Say, so can that be done apart from it? In some cases it may be able to be done. Wonderful. But all I know this is that children aren't perfect. Despite how perfect you think they are, they're not. 
They have flaws. And God gives us the word to know how to deal with those. Let's pray.